0: Turner hits a drive deep left center field, and the Phillies strike first again. Trey Turner, a solo shot. Weapons up and down this lineup, and the Philadelphia Phillies now with 17 homers this postseason.
1: I mean, at this point, Kevin Barker, I don't know why we just don't pick new teams, start over. <laughs> Can't we do that? Can't we each like just put all you know, get everybody in a room, pick team captains, and say, "Away we go!" I mean, that that would seem to be the uh, that would seem to be the way to do it.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, look it's uh, wh- whenever you see Trey Turner throwing his bat in the stands or or down the left field line, I used to play with a guy Jeff named Jeremy. Burnett's and he was big. Well, he's the reason why. If you flip your, your ticket over, it says, uh, something <laughs> like, we're, we're not liable for objects being thrown into the stands. That was his fault. That was his fault. Right. And I always used to ask him when I was his teammate, why, why is that? Why are you doing that? And he says, I want to hold that bat as loose as I possibly can to have as much buggy whip and to be able to feel my barrel as much as he possibly can throughout his entire swing. And that's what you see in Trey do, right? It's the – he'll chuck it down the left field line, and his next swing is nice and fluid, and you see that little snap at the end, and he hits a ball in the, you know, 75 rows up in the left field. So, yeah, it's – I just don't know how you get that team out. It's – I I just – you know, you're almost asking pitchers to be perfect. And we all know human beings are not perfect. That's why I just don't see, you know, how the Diamondbacks can weather the storm enough to allow an offense, a running game, their manager, whatever it's going to take to squeak out a win or two in this series to make this thing interesting, just because of how, how would it be possible for a pitching staff to be perfect against that lineup right now? It's going to be tough. Yeah.
1: And you've talked often about the importance of scoring first and, and, I mean, the Phillies are taking that to a silly degree. I mean, generally, when you talk about scoring first, you're not talking about scoring within the first three pitches of a game or something like that. But, you know, it is the old story, right? And and I, I think uh, they touched on this a little bit during the telecast in Game 1, uh, kind of wondering why the Diamondbacks seem to be a little reluctant to run. You know, Corbin Carroll leading off and getting on and and. Or, or not leading off, but getting on in the first inning and being reluctant to run, and of course then Philadelphia takes the lead. And now you get to a point when you got a three nothing lead. It, it's not that it takes the running game out of the equation, but you got to think twice, right? You need multiple runs at that point. Uh, all of a sudden, the benefit of stealing second maybe isn't the same as as it was when it was one nothing or nothing nothing.
2: Yeah, one run's not going to do it, right? It's, and you got 27 outs. You got to be real careful yeah. about when you use it. And JT Rio is one of the best throwers behind the plate. You got to be careful about that too. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Just sort of, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. You really don't know what to do, right? It's once I get my leadoff guy on, he likes to run. He can run. Do we do it? Do we put pressure? Right. Do we try and squeak out a run early or do we play for the big inning? So they're sort of between a rock and a hard place just because of, the lineup and the perfect pitching that the diamondbacks are going to have to have. And it's a tall order, man. It's it's, I've said this to you when you get a couple of guys that are, that are hammering mistakes. That's one thing when you're getting four or five or six dudes that are hammering mistakes. I mean, you just sort of turn the page and move on the next year.
1: Yeah. and, And if you're the diamondbacks right now, you're in a situation where your two best starting pitchers are done. You know, yeah, for, for now at least, yeah. Merrill Kelly was shredded. Um, the, I mean, the, this series is so heavily, heavily tilted in favor of the Philadelphia Phillies. Now they got Ranger Suarez going, who, as Larry Boa said, has got ice, ice in his veins during the, during the postseason. Um, the Phillies are leading two games to nothing. They'll have an off day today. Houston and Texas resume their series today. Hazel May joins us in a few minutes from Arlington. Uh, Houston and Texas start their series up again today. The Rangers are leading two games to nothing. You know, Kevin, we talked about this before we came on the air. If, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, because Christian Javier is going for the Astros, and the Astros, for whatever reason, are a better team on on the road. So I'm not saying this is going to happen. But, Kevin, if somehow these two series end up in a four-game sweep, we got eight
2: days. Yeah. Before the start of the World Series. Yeah, it's a lot, right? It's And then, you know, say it would be the Rangers and the Phillies. Who would... Who would benefit the, f- from that the most? It's got to be and the Rangers, right? All those all those hurt
1: pitchers getting extra, you know, gray and and, and Shurs are getting extra health. It's got or extra time to rest. It would have to be the Rangers, no?
2: Yeah, I think I think too the Phillies. Some guys in their lineup have some bigger swings, right? Some out and around. You need some timing. You know, you need to see live pitching over and over again you know, just that competitive thing of the heart rates up and, you know, you're trying to stay short and quick through the baseball. Sometimes it's hard to do that if you're trying to hit a home run most of the time. So, yeah, that's an interesting part of it too, right? But you, as a, as a manager, as an organization, you know, as players, you don't really want to think about that. You want to take care of business as soon as you can, you know, you try and figure out whatever you try and have to figure out once it happens. But you know, again, this this is for me. If you're the Astros, right, it's about two dudes in your order. It's Tucker and Altuve. you yeah. got to figure out at least one of the two has to do something, right? The O for 16 can't happen anymore. If they have any chance in my mind of moving on here, one of those two dudes have to get it going. And if they do, I think they can make a run just because, uh, for whatever reason, they have more confidence on the road. And the Rangers, do what you're doing. Think the entire field. Don't get pull happy. Don't take the big daddy hacks. Don't go outside the box. Just continue to do what you're doing, and you know it'll be interesting too to see what Max Scherzer's got in the tank. That's a that's another one too. And will Boch have a quick hook? Is it if he sees him in the second inning, you know, and he got 22 pitches in the second inning and got him out? He taking him out. that's an interesting thing too. So there's some storylines here. This is interesting, right? you got some veteran teams. you got some teams that are young who are supposed to be getting beat that are getting beat. So it'll be interesting to see what the next couple of days holds.
1: Yeah, when you talk about the importance of getting an early lead, I think Jason Stark pointed out, if I'm not mistaken, the – the the Texas Rangers have held the lead in this series for all but three plate appearances or something something along yeah. along that line. That's been maybe the most surprising thing to me about this series is the fact that not the fact that Texas can score. I mean, good lord, we you know, we saw that we saw that team here in the Rogers Center, we've seen them throughout the year. But just the fact that they seem able to jump in pitching right away.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think they don't try to do too much. I, I I think you have to buy into that, right? They got dudes that can hit homers. They got lefties. They got righties. They got a cleanup hitter who, you know, can hit a bunch of homers driving a bunch of runs. But I think they think to put pressure on an opposing team and try and combat what that opposing pitcher is trying to do to them. You know, you use the entire field. You think up the middle. You add link to your swing. You don't over swing. You think line drive. You don't think about getting the ball in the air, right? That's how you pass the baton that way. You're a tougher out. You can, you know, you put pressure on defenses and and managers to have to think about things a little bit earlier. So, yeah, look, this this is the thing, right? It's it's you got two two tails of the tape here. You got the Rangers are doing it one way. You got the Phillies doing it another way, right? So. That's why I love baseball. It's it's There's no right way to do it, but, man, there is a ton of talent on both teams that are leading, and there's some talent on some teams that aren't leading, right, that we'll see if they can piece it together and, and start having the big inning. That's what's about in the playoffs. It's not about having three or four innings. It's about having the one big inning, and we'll see if the Astros and the Diamondbacks can come up with some mustard and try and figure out how to do that.
1: Uh, we will also be joined by Adam Wainwright at the bottom of the yes. hour. Former St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Uncle Charlie will oh. join us, uh, 2006 World Series champion. And uh, he's done some work for Fox on their postseason broadcast. Been
2: really good, too.
1: He, he's been terrific. He's yeah. been terrific. Uh, he and A.J. Uh, Pruszynski together. Uh, so we'll look forward yeah. to that discussion. It's, with okay that
2: not to, it, it's okay occasionally when in doubt, just don't speak. Like there's some other guys on those other telecasts. Yeah. <laughs> boy, they like uh, to talk. Yeah, they do. I like to talk. So it's nice to hear or a guy that breathe knows what boy, he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well occasionally it's it's you know, it's more impact if you just say a a, a couple of things instead of always speaking and breaking down a breaking ball that he's thrown three hundred and fourteen times already. So the Phillies
1: beat the Diamondbacks ten nothing. Uh last night in Philadelphia uh again the series shifts to Chase Field in Arizona tomorrow there will be two games tomorrow uh today the only game 7 first pitch on SportsNet will be the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers Christian and Javier on the mound for the Astros and uh, Max Scherzer for the Rangers um Kevin do you have any idea why a team like Houston would be so good on the road and, and- and and below 500 at home, I mean, I thought that ballpark was kind of tailor made for them. Is it not?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I, I I would think that's probably a very individual thing. Why the Blue Jays can't hit homers at home? Like, yeah, that's that's true. Like it's a very individual thing, right? You, it's, it's a lot of the times I think that's bad luck. Like you just tend to have the the wrong guy coming up at the wrong time, like Matt Chapman. I mean, I did to say his name out loud, but it's facts. Like every, you know, they tried to hide it, and couldn't, and every time he'd come up at home, it was tr- with traffic on the basis. I'm sh- I'm sure that has something to do with the way it was happening there, right? Some guys that were you were expecting to perform were not performing at the highest level at home, and then it gets in dudes' heads, and you start thinking about it, Jeff, and you yeah. think long, think wrong, so. Yeah, I think it's just it's, weird you know, though because it's the same yeah, it lineup.
1: Is. It's the same lineup. It's not like they've changed the dimensions of the ballpark. It's the same lineup that mashed. Uh, in
2: Jose in, Abreu in that was talking. Jose Abreu was talking about the batter's eye, batter's and, eye. Yeah. you know they were expecting a lot from him of where he was hitting in the order. So that could could be numerous things. Well, let's
1: join friend of the show Hazel May, shall we? She is Sportsnet's MLB reporter. She is in Arlington, where the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers are getting ready to uh, continue the ALCS. Hazel, thanks so much for joining us today. We trust that the travels have been good and you're enjoying Texas. Um, what's the mood like around the Texas Rangers and... In Arlington in general, right now, I know Arlington is a kind of a city between two cities, but yeah. what 's the mood what 's the mood there right now, going into this series with the two nothing lead and you know knowing that Houston is successful on the road
3: yeah um, thanks for having me guys uh it's great to be with you i It was interesting when uh, we first found out that this was going to be a Lone Star Series. I, I talked to an Astros official, and I mentioned this on the pregame show a few days ago. And I asked this official, you know, how big is this rivalry? Like, is this a thing? And all Jeff and Kevin, you know, all I'm thinking about is remember the Pearson cutback between the Expos and the Blue Jays. I'm thinking, you know, is this a big deal? And this Astros official said, you know, this is our seventh straight ALCS but we want to win this really badly. Like it is, it is a thing. And when I said, "What you know? What is the crowd going to be like at Minute Maid Park?" The official told me we're expecting it to be about seventy thirty, so seventy percent Astros, thirty percent Rangers. But when we go to Arlington, we fully expect it to be fifty fifty. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, that was an interesting um, comment. I said, "Why?" And the official told me that, you know, our fans love to go to Globe Life Field. And, you know, they know that their team, the Astros, play well there. They played well in that building. I mean, Martin Maldonado said yesterday they're very comfortable in that building. He said they see the ball well there. They've got fans there behind them. But um, the Rangers, now I spoke with GM Chris Young yesterday, they expect their fans to be... um, just as loud if not louder um, tonight in their just their second uh, playoff game Um, so the atmosphere um, as Chris Young told me they expect it to be electric Um, I'm really curious to see if the Astros official was right whether it will be a 50-50 split at Globe Life but uh, we are expecting a big night uh, for more reasons than just uh, game three and you know why. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Hazel, is anybody around Max Scherzer, anybody in his camp that's around him every single day surprised that he's back this early?
3: Um, I don't know if anybody... Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take that back. He has thrown a couple of sim games since he got hurt back at Rogers Center against the Jays um, back in September. I think it was September 12th. Um, I remember being at, at Globe Life Field in his very first sim game, and the amount of... Of local TV cameras and local media, on top of the postseason media covering, you know MLB during this time, uh, there was a ton of people there, and no one knew why there was um, live BP going on because it wasn't announced to the media that Max was going to be on the mound uh, throwing uh, to live batters, and so we kind of hung around. Um, until, you know, he came up on the mound and we were like, whoa. Like, we didn't, we weren't expecting to him uh, to be on the mound uh, so soon throwing to live batters. Um, he's thrown a couple of sim games. His most recent sim games, he threw 69 pitches. Um, but I think everyone was surprised that he's back except for Max. And I remember Bruce Bochi telling us that Max has been, quote, unquote, wearing him out, um, trying to get back. And in my sit-down conversation with uh, Chris Young, who, you know, you guys will see that uh, tonight on the pregame show, you know, Chris Young said to me, there was a couple of factors. Chris Young being a former pitcher, he was able to really have a, what he called it, a brutally honest conversation with Max Scherzer. And he thanked Max for um, his honesty and how he was feeling, uh, particularly in his recovery. And he said he appreciates the hard work that he's put in to get to this spot. He actually, he as an in insurer wanted to be back last week. And Chris Young said to me that if they had allowed him to come back, his pitch count would have been limited, and they were afraid that if he didn't go deep into the ballgame, it would put further strain um, uh, on their bullpen. So He said they gave him an extra week to really come back or try to come back to be the Max Scherzer they know he can be. So um, no one is surprised um, as far as, you know, anyone close to Max Scherzer. He's so fiercely competitive. Um, He said that once he found out the diagnosis on that shoulder injury didn't require surgery, he said right then and there he knew he would be back for October. He basically, you know, he thought to himself the regular season, coming back in the regular season was probably off the table. But as soon as he heard the diagnosis was a strain um, to that muscle in his shoulder um, that didn't require going on in the night, he knew he could be back in October.
1: Hazel, I already asked you about the mood in Arlington. What about the mood around the Astros? You know, and, and you've talked about how they, they will have their fans there and their their yep. fans do travel well. But I'm just wondering how Dusty's kind of handling being down 0-2. And, again, I know he's got Christian Javier going, so he's got a guy with a track record here. But uh, it's got to be a little – almost a little frustrating for him the way they've lost those first two games, isn't it?
3: Um, I would imagine it would be, but in talking to him, he is certainly not showing it. Um, I asked him, you know, I, I said, you know, Dusty – being down two one is certainly a lot different than being down three zero. And uh, he he said to me that you know they're not thinking about being down three zero. He said that is the last thing on his mind. Um, he's gonna manage tonight aggressively but in his words, you know, you've got to be aggressive without running into traps or a suicide mission (laughs) which I thought was an interesting quote. Uh, He said his mindset right now going into game three is they're going to walk away with being down 2-1 and then from there his mentality is going to be then we'll even it up to 2-2 and then hopefully get to 3-2 and hopefully get to the World Series. He said that is just how my mind works and then he told us that He's been up 2-0 and lost. He's been down 2-0 and won. Um, He's been down as a player three games back with three games to go, and they were able to tie up some series. And so in his mind, he is not going to give it up to the Rangers just yet. So um, he's talked about, you know, the guys being kind of this is just, quote, unquote, another game. And I remember Maldonado saying that, you know they don't require any team meetings going into Game Three. He actually thought that they played pretty well the first couple of games, but that they were lacking the big hit. And he feels like as a team they're they're in pretty good spirits, even though they're down 2-0. Um, and again, he he has a lot of confidence in that the fact that they can come into Globe Life Field and play well. And and as Dusty said, they they, in their minds, think they're going to walk away from tonight's game uh, down 2-1 instead of 3-0.
2: Yeah, this is great stuff. C- a couple more before we let you go. You covered a lot of managers. I mean, you, you, these two managers in Baker and Bochy, you know, have more experience when it comes to this part of the season than any managers around. Any different, like when you speak to them, any different, Hazel, you know, having a conversation with these dudes than it is a a younger, um, less experienced manager?
3: Yeah, I think I'm just I think when I I speak to both uh Bruce Bocci and Dusty Baker there's a calmness and maybe um there's a better you know for lack of a better term like a chill factor between you yeah. two guys. Um, yeah. they're just very calm even in their conversations with me. They they just, you know, it's it's very for them kind of hands-off in in terms of, you know, They're going to let their players do what they do on the field. Um, If they want to chime in every now and then, they feel like they can. Uh, It was interesting. I'm trying to figure out which player. I asked a a Rangers player about Bruce Bochy. It may have been uh, Mitch Garber. And um, I I think my question to him was, you know, what's it like, you know, how he manages players. (laughs) And I think one of the things he said was, well, when you hear from Bochy, It's da-da-da-da-da-da. He's a very kind of um, hands-off manager. I think due to his experience, I think he is really good at communicating and navigating um, through that lineup and and communicating with his players. And I know there's been a lot of talk about analytics and metrics. And uh, Chris Young told me when it comes to Bruce Bochy, um, you know, they provide him with the information, but that kind of ends there. And, from that point on, it's really up to uh, Bochi to figure out what he wants to do, if anything, with that information in regards to his players. But in talking to these guys, very entertaining. Um, you know, they like, you know, Bruce Bochy likes to talk about his interest in wine. And Dusty Baker always likes to think, talk back about the really cool teammates and the people he met during his playing days. It's just a real, real cool experience and a chill factor <laughs> between these yeah. two guys.
2: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, last one before I let you go. How I've always been intrigued about this because, you know, I, I, I see how you do both sides of this. But how how does your job uh, now covering baseball uh, different than it is in the regular season?
3: Um, well, for one, I get to sleep in my own bed uh, a lot more when the Blue Jays are actually in the postseason or go deep in the postseason. But um, with um with Sportsnet being MLB rights holders, I, I try to explain this to the people that I see on the road when they, they are surprised to see me at ballparks. Um, Sportsnet has Major League Baseball rights, and we cover all the you know premier uh, uh, events, uh, all-star game, and obviously the postseason. So once the Jays are out of the postseason, um, I continue to uh, cover the postseason until the end of the World Series. And a lot of that is really relying on my experience and my relationships with managers and players to get the information because it's a little tougher when you haven't been following the storylines and following and getting to know new players uh, on the teams that are going deep into the postseason. So it's a little bit more challenging that way and trying to to get some information and try to get quote unquote caught up on learning um, some teams. And then after I come home from a, get back to the hotel room from the team I've covered, I turn on the TV and watch all the other ball games because inevitably I'm going to have to cover one of the teams that are playing in the other games. So it's a, you know, a lot of room service, <laughs> to be honest, a lot of watching baseball games. And um, if you don't like this game, I mean, Jeff, you can attest to this. You really need to love this game, love baseball, to cover it in the postseason because it's just constant baseball, baseball, baseball. And there's just a lot of things to catch up on and a lot of um, um, interviews, a lot of media availabilities, a lot of workouts. So um, the work does not stop. While Buck is out there fishing and Dan is talking <laughs> about hoops, I am still on the diamond on the field. I'm still covering baseball. Whether you like it or not, I'm still here. Uh,
1: awesome. I'll tell you what, having done a fair number of postseason seasons, yes. I've always admired the tv folks who can get interviews because as a reporter you kind of lack focus you go down yes. and there's so many people there's so many people there i mean i remember first world series i covered for for some strange reason i willie mays was was at it just uh, just because he's willie mays i guess and you know you so willie mays is doing a group interview with you know 12 well actually back then there were so many reporters it was more like 30 so you'd kind of join the circle around Willie Mays and it'd be really great and 15 minutes later you'd realize the guy that you wanted to talk to had already had his swings and had gone in <laughs> And like it, it's seriously it's like baseball Christmas there are all these people you can talk to and you know I used to go back up to the press box I'd have all these notes and I'd go yeah, but none of this really has anything to do with today's game. <laughs> you know, I've got <laughs> Willie Mays talking about the catch. And yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it is something the, else, man. It's an experience. The, yeah.
3: the people you see at these, I mean, last year's World Series, Miles Teller, the actor who's a huge Philadelphia Phillies fan, right. was like on the field. And I did a double take because I just watched you know, Top Gun Maverick. Um, and then I think it was, yeah, the very first playoff game here at Globe Life Field. Um, president george w was in a suite just off the rangers um um dugout and you know you see the secret service it's just like reggie jackson was behind um the cage yesterday talking i I mean it's it's a plethora of you know celebrities and former you know all-stars and hall of famers so it is really interesting it's a lot of work as you well know jeff but you do, you know, find it a real cool kind of experience um, in baseball life, I guess.
1: Hazel, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really yeah. appreciated it. Listen, travel safely and uh, enjoy the baseball. Thanks. Uh,
3: two, two quick things. Um, the, my sit down with uh, Rangers GM Chris Young, plug, plug, is on MLB Central, the pregame show tonight. And if you guys don't remember, Chris Young pitched in that 2015 ALCS against the Blue Jays. He's going to tell us what he remembers about that. That's right. And B, quickly, uh, Kevin, it's Wednesday. Don't forget to take out the garbage, okay? (laughs) There you go.
2: (laughs) Sir,
1: yes, sir. Thanks. Thanks, Hazel. Be well. I'll make sure that he does it. I was going to make a joke about garbage and working with me, but uh, quick story before we break. Individual World Series highlight, not related. To, to a baseball player standing in the urinal at Tiger the new t- at Comerica Park next to John Cougar Mellencamp just oh. before he went out to sing the national anthem
2: yeah God's did honest you, did you say something to him I, come on
1: who talks no of course not it well it's like you know we're both busy I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna no, man I would have I would have said so short
2: how, how you doing? how's it going <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how nervous? it's going. I mean, you're we're nervous. By, we're both,
1: we're, anyhow.
2: That's about it. Let's
1: get a, Adam Wainwright's going to join us next. It's Blair and Barker. of us sports at five ninety. The fan.
3: Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's
0: the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, 8 o'clock tonight will be first pitch. Eight o three exactly, first pitch of Game 3 of the uh, ALCS as the Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers. The Rangers leading two games to nothing. It'll be Christian Javier against Max Scherzer for the Texas Rangers. And if you caught any of the uh, earlier playoff series, the, ALD, uh, the AL series, uh, you uh, probably caught the work of our next guest. You've certainly, as a baseball fan... Had the pleasure of watching him pitch for many many years, uh, from 2005 to this season. 2006 World Series champion Adam Wainwright joins us on Blair and Barker. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we trust you're doing well. First of all, before we get to our questions, uh, you brought as a baseball fan. I got to say, you brought us a lot of joy uh, over the years, and as an announcer, I'm not surprised. But but I thought you it fit like a glove with you i i i'm just wondering when you when you sat in that booth and you're doing the game is there is there something about the game that surprised you maybe that looks a little different from up there than than it does on the field on the mound or in the dugout
0: um good question Well, thanks for having me on guys um it's a different view for sure. Like I, you know, when I'm sitting in the dugout, I can, and my wife's told me this for years, but when I'm sitting in the dugout, I can tell you as soon as the ball is hit, if it's going to be caught one inch in front of the fence or over the fence, I can tell you that, right? It's just seen it. That's my view. When I'm up there, you know, I see it hit on TV and then I look out and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then it's like 20, 20 rows over the fence or, you know, 20 feet short. And, and my wife's got the, the view from the fans side of it a lot. And she, she knows right away watching it on TV or watching it in person. And she's like, ah, you know, whatever. But that view is different, Um, but it's certainly a good view. And I like looking down the field like that. And, you know, you you still have the monitors to watch in front of you, but um, so you can see the pitch good, but uh, it's good to be up. I like being up there in the crowd and feeling the crowd, you know, from a different point of view, it's pretty neat up there.
1: How much of a different beast is it pitching in the postseason compared to the regular season?
0: um well i mean at the end of the day it's still just about executing pitches for pitchers right you can't there's nothing more to it the other team's going to be a little bit more prepared they're going to have a better plan they're going to you know they're going to be coaches are going to really pour into those hitters that week preparing for each and every starter and and reliever and and they're going to know exactly what you're going to do but you know that's the thing about scouting and i mean Pretty much everyone knows all the things now, anyways. The information's out there. The pitcher knows what the hitter's trying to do. The hitter knows what the pitcher's trying to do, and it's just about execution. So, it's about the the main thing um, if you can if you can keep it that simple, is just keeping your your focus, you know, and, and, and not putting too much stress on yourself emotionally, because uh, at the end of the day, it's still just about executing pitches, and and same thing for hitters. But I think some some people have a hard time. Um, when you get all the lights on and and the bigger pressure moments, some people just don't execute the same.
2: Okay, Max Scherzer is pitching tonight, as you well know. And when he's standing in the the bullpen because he hasn't – you know, throwing a competitive game in quite some time. And you know, he's got five different pitches. He, you got to help me take take me through a little bit of this. Is it one of those things when you're a veteran guy that, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that pitches to his strength most of the time and not trying to attack a hitter's weakness? He's got five pitches. And when he's in the bullpen before the game, is it when, say, one of the heaters ain't working? Is he chucking that thing out the window? Because, right, you know, he doesn't want to go two and a third, right? He's Max scherzer he wants to be competitive and you know be efficient and throw strike one and all those kind of things is it is that how he's going to have to try and attack this is if he just doesn't have feel for it you just throw it away and you use the ones that you do have good feel for
0: well two comments one i know you're not from canada i love that 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 (laughs) southern accent you got going there
2: absolutely Um, virginia
0: okay i like it uh yeah uh, I think I think as as a starting pitcher, a veteran starting pitcher like Max especially, what you do is you realize early on what's working and what's not working maybe or what could be sharper and you don't bag it completely, but sometimes your other pitches will get that pitch locked in. I mean the same way you're watching a pitcher throw you know, he throws six straight balls with a fastball. He he needs to throw a breaking ball the next pitch to get him synced back up. You know, that's just a trick of the trade. Same thing happens, you know, Justin Verlander is a prime example of this. His first start against Minnesota, his first two innings, his really first three innings, his curveball was not there. It was He was hanging it. His slider was really not there either. He was locating his fastball, luckily, and he's got enough hop to kind of get around it. He was throwing some good change-ups. But as the game wore on, most of the time a veteran pitcher is going to figure out what's wrong and make that adjustment. So, you there's, there are times where you bag it and you go, you know, maybe curveball's not working, you go to slider, slider's not working, you go to curveball or whatever. But most of the time, a veteran pitcher's going to figure it out. And if you let that, that pitcher sneak through the first few innings while he's trying to find his stuff, then you're in big trouble because eventually those, big, those starting pitchers, especially the veterans, will find out and then you'll be in trouble.
2: Uh, you know, scoreboard's never been bigger. They they tell you a lot of stuff, right? It tells you when to base run. It tells you, you know, what you're trying to do offensively. Pitching's no different. Now you can turn around as a pitcher and it's right in front of you. How hard you're throwing, how much your off speed stuff's breaking, right? The movement on that th- thing you can actually see that in in live action. <clears throat> is there when Max is going through this thing? Take me through a fan. If I'm watching Max tonight, and should I be looking for velocity? Should I be looking for break uh should i be looking for location all those things obviously are very very important but this dude ain't pitching forever like you know and especially when the heart rate goes up and he's max right two different eye colors and like there's gonna be some things coming out the years he's up to nothing as a fan should i be looking for one of those things that will tell us one way or the other that he's gonna be pretty good or he's gonna have some issues
0: well it's like you mentioned he hasn't pitched in a while in a competitive game. Now he's thrown live, live BP's, and that's just not the same. Um, He's going to be probably on a, on a pitch count. uh, If I had to guess, that's not a full pitch count, but you'll be able to tell because Max is, Max is the reason he's great. It's not just because he has great stuff, but Max is very prepared. He knows the hitters weaknesses. He does exploit their weaknesses. If it matches up with his strengths, Uh, but he, you know what Max is great at? Max is one of the best pitchers of all time at getting strike one. And he's, a, he's one of the best pitchers of all time at getting 0-2 counts on people. And when Max is working ahead, he is unbelievably hard to hit. It's the games that Max gets into trouble. is when he's not getting strike one good like he normally does. And sometimes when, you're, when you haven't pitched in a while, that is what shows up. You're a little rusty around the edges. But, look, this guy is such a competitor that I got my – I mean, I would never bet against him. I've, I've pitched against him twice in the postseason, uh, and I think I gave up one run and uh, one run, and I'm 0-1 with a, you know, one-something ERA against him, and I still, you know, haven't got my first playoff. He he comes to play in the big moments, and he'll be ready. He knows He knows he's ready. Um, or he wouldn't be trying to fight his way into this situation. He's a competitor. and First of all, who in the world else would you want out there? But watch yeah. how he gets ahead in the count. Uh, if he's working ahead in the count, don't worry about any of that other stuff, the the vertical break and all that stuff. That's for the pitcher only, really, and for the hitter to understand. But just if I'm watching pitching and I want to understand the nuance of what Max is trying to do, he's going to get ahead in the count. He's really going to get ahead with his fastball, his slider and his changeup; those are the ones he's going to get ahead of. Every now and then he'll mix in that little cutter. Every now and then he'll mix up that curveball in there. But most of the time he's going to get ahead with those three different pitches. But he's going to challenge from the first pitch of the at bat. He comes right at you. He's in the middle of the plate a lot on the first pitch, but it's good enough stuff where he gets away with it. Uh, and then you know, after if you look at if you look at hitter, this is a very long answer, but it's just it's it's, it's the right answer, I think. If if you look at Hitters' batting average is an on-base percentage in slug. If they go through 0-1 counts, the slug is like two or 300 points lower minimum than if they go through a 1-0 count. So Max knows that, and his one of his big mantras is strike one is a choice. So if I'm watching a diet and I want to understand how Max is going to be effective, I'm watching for strike one.
2: Awesome.
1: Kevin mentioned this, and and, and you touched on it as well, but... The fact that Nathan Uvalde and now tonight Max are going to be pitching in the postseason after late season injuries, you know, without the benefit of being able to, well, I could take my time, maybe go down, throw a couple innings, triple A, get ready and all. To me, this is one of the kind of the more intriguing stories of this postseason if Texas keeps up this run. Adam, that these dudes rehabbed in the majors, basically. And in the case of Max, rehabbed during the playoffs. It's not something we
0: often see. No, and it's not something you would actually trust very many people with, but you want him out there. Um, Now, I will say this. A couple years ago, 2021, Max pitched all the way through the season and started against us in in the postseason, and he came out after five innings, and he was completely gassed. So, I will say that sometimes, just depending on what you're going through in the course of a season or whatever, sometimes you get to the postseason and and you've kind of used all your best bullets sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. I think that was the case of him in 2021. Now, missing this time right here, it might actually help him. He might be really fresh. He might be throwing absolute rockets. We'll have to wait and see. But sometimes missing a week or two you know, for for being able to be healthy all the way through October and, and strong is... Is not a bad thing. You know, you don't want to, but sometimes you, you go, you know what? That was a blessing.
2: Adam, when you're going into starts like this being an, an elite pitcher, and your pitching coach comes up to you, and obviously you guys got game plans going out the years and you know you're you're trying to figure out what to throw and adding and subtracting and all those kind of things. But yeah, every lineup has that one guy, and that pitching coach, I don't know how they'll say it to an elite pitcher like yourself or a Max or you know I guess you could throw a Valdi in there too this time of the year that says basically either pitch around this guy be careful to this guy is that hard to do like you know you're heat of the moment you're trying to execute pitches and then this dude walks to the plate and you know that he can change the game that's a tough thing to do or is that an easier thing to not allow that guy to try and beat you and change the game
0: well, it, it can be very difficult because, you know, as a competitor, you always think you're good enough to get anyone out. Um, I can only speak for personal experience. Uh, there's been times in my career, like in 2013, the World Series, Big Poppy was on fire. The guy couldn't get out to save his life. And, but every time we walked him, uh, Napoli would drive him in, it seemed like. So I go into my Game 5 start against Boston, and, and before the game, they go, what do you want to do about Poppy? And I go... I ain't walking him. I'm going right after him. We're gonna get this guy out today for well, first at bat he had a double. <laughs> so it can be tough. Now the the flip side of that coin is, is last year, pitching against the Yankees, and uh you know, the whole team was kinda of cold except for Aaron Judge and he was having an historic year. You know, he's about to have one of the greatest offensive years of all time. And uh he comes up to bat. I got runners on first and second. And when he comes up to bat, I go Put him on. I got first and second with one, one out. And I, 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 I did this motion where I you was know, like, hey, put him on to Yachty. Put him on. And Yachty looked at me like, you want to load the bases? Josh Donaldson's behind him. You want to load the bases? He comes running out. Pitching coach comes out. I, go, I, I looked at him in the face. I said, listen, I'm going to get Josh Donaldson out. But I'm going to tell you right now, the only way we're losing to the Yankees today is if I face Aaron Judge right here. Because this guy is on another planet hot right now. I'm putting my ego aside, and I'm saying, listen, this is the guy that's going to beat us today. And if I don't pitch to him, they're not going to beat us. And uh, they're like, all right, put him on. So we put him on, and uh, we got out that inning with no runs. But the time before we came up to bat, I'm like, all right, I got an 0-2 count against him. I threw him two curveballs. He swung and missed both of them. And I went, all right, I'm going to sneak this little heater up by him up here, up top. We'll see what happens. The guy hit a ball like 100 104,000 miles an hour off the center field fence. So, you know, sometimes that's when I'm like, all right, this guy is just right now. You know what? He's on another planet hot. If we want to win this game, I'm pitching around him, or I'm not pitching to him. I think every now and then, and and you go into games, you know, right? You know that hitter. Like, if Jordan Alvarez is up, he's tough because Abreu's behind him. But if I'm Max Scherzer, who throws a good high fastball, uh, I know I can attack Jose Abreu, fastballs at the top of the zone, and have great success. I know if I face Jordan Alvarez one or two times, this guy's going to take a riff at something right now, and there's not much a pitcher can do about it. You know, The only pitch I see Jordan Alvarez swinging and missing right now is curveballs in the dirt. So Max knows that. He might bounce some breaking balls tonight. We'll have to wait and see. But with, with Abreu behind him, Max matches up very, very well with Abreu. So he might get into spots and go, I ain't giving this guy Jordan Alvarez anything to hit. All night long. We'll see what happens. But uh, it seems like every time somebody pitches to him, he hits a home run. So, yeah. you know, you got you got to
3: be smart.
1: The last question before I let you run, um, it's about pitching decisions. And, of course, here in Toronto, we're still talking about the decision to take Jose Barrios out of the second game against the Twins. And, look, and, and we've said in this show, we've been very clear, the Jays lost that series because they couldn't beg, borrow, or steal a run. That's why they lost that series. But as a pitcher, as a guy who's logged a lot of innings, where do you stand on the whole debate about using an, using analytics to determine, and specifically here, using analytics to determine when it's time to take a pitcher out of the game?
0: Well, all right. So every situation is different. Um, every situation is different, and, and, and they have information on every – Pitcher, and they say, Look, this guy, when he goes third time through, this guy's slug goes up to 1200. So we can't let him face the third time through. Well, I understand that, right? I understand not letting a pitcher face, you know, right handed pitcher face lefties when slug goes up to 1200 or when OPS goes up to 1200 with, you know, third time through. I get it. But at some at some point that and and if you probably look at that guy's numbers he probably only had to got a chance to do it like once or twice, and then they went nope he can't do it and take him out. Sometimes it's not true sometimes that that's just who he is and that's the that's the one you need to know about. But Dusty Baker said something the other day in in pregame that I thought was so great because I met we met with Rocco we met with Dusty and those guys are two different mindsets going into a game right Rocco's very analytics driven Rocco's. You know, going to let his pitcher face two times through, and almost doesn't matter unless it's Pablo Lopez. It almost doesn't matter who it is after that. They're not facing three times through, just because the numbers say that pitchers have a worse uh, OPS with third time through. Well, Dusty Baker said something that I thought was really brilliant. He said, "I said Dusty, what are you thinking today?" And this was with Arcidi. This isn't. It's not like it was Verlander. He said, "Well." I'm going to have – I'm going to just watch him. You know, if he's dealing, I'm going to let him pitch. And I said, all right, so w- what kind of pitch count are you on? He goes, I-, I use a performance count, not a pitch count. I thought, well, goodness gracious, isn't that, just, isn't that just a wonderful thing? And I just raised my hands up, and everybody started laughing. And I went, this is what I've been waiting to hear for a couple of years now. Because baseball, you know, everything in life, really. You, you try new things, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And I think analytics are a very good tool to use in supplement of the eye test, right? But every now and then, if your dog is having a day, you've got to let him bark. You know what I mean? You, you've yep. got to let him eat out there. And if if, you're, if you've if you spent money on Berrios, and he's, I mean, look, this guy was one of the better pitchers on that team. He's got some of the best stuff in the league, honestly. He's going to throw that 94, 95-mile-hour, fastball that moves a foot that nasty slider breaking ball sweeper thing behind it good change up he's a great pitcher who else do you want in the game sometimes we rush we rush these guys in from the bullpen and then we go well gosh now what are we going to do in the sixth and seventh? you know and those scripts are good but sometimes a script just gets in the way of performance you know if a guy's dealing let him pitch remember a couple years ago they took snell out in the world series yeah when uh when the rays were playing who were the Rays playing the dodgers I think the Rays were playing the Dodgers and uh they took Snell out with like 52 pitches through five well that let me tell you what happens they took Barrios out took Snell out just take these pitchers out and then the other side goes all right now we go you know it just gives them a little bit of mojo gives them some momentum and they the other side feels that they're like all right we can get these next guys Adam listen it's basically been... for me leave your starter in the game <laughs> I'm a little yeah, yeah, I, I, I think
1: I think you you speak for about ninety five percent of Blue Jays fans right now as well. Adam, listen, we we appreciate you doing this again. Really enjoyed your work on Fox. Hope to see you that's doing wonderful. it again. And uh, and man, congratulations on a great career. And yeah. uh, and and thanks so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate it.
2: It's an honor, Adam. Right, thanks, Thank you. I appreciate.
1: it. Yes, sir. Take care. That is Adam Wainwright. You can follow him on Twitter, Uncle Charlie Fifty. Still one of my favorite oh, Twitter great. handles among. All MLB pitchers. I could have talked to Adam Wainwright for an hour. Oh, Could have talked absolutely. to him for an hour. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, man, t- together. That's why I always I, – and I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I wanted to talk to him about Martin Maldonado too, right, and just how Dusty's sure. faith in, in in Martin Maldonado as a defensive catcher. But, uh, yeah, look, it, it's – it's interesting. I'm not. We don't have time to get into the whole and. And I really don't want to get into the whole analytics debate again. But I, I just the reason I asked him about Barrios is I'm watching these games, and I'm seeing it. And I, I, it's just if a guy is going like this is what a lot of these dudes have played their entire careers for. Let them go, man. You know, let him go. Trust your guys. That's what it gets to me. If I've given you a lot of money to be I love that let the dog bark to be my dog and you're out there doing what you're supposed to do I'm gonna get out of the way man
2: yeah it's John Snyder or Dusty Baker that's the difference like it's one it's it's one person that that likes his job doesn't want to ride buses anymore and it's another guy who's been around a bazillion years and won a world series and you know has faith in himself and his security as a manager to go yeah I have, I, I'm on, he's on a performance count. I, yep. We're going to, we're going to, I'll, I'll let you know when I go out there and get him. So yeah, it's, it's a little different. I think when you're speaking to both of us,
1: what really stood out to you about that conversation with Adam Wainwright? I mean, so much did for me, but, but for you as a former player, I loved him breaking down Max Scherzer.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that part of it is, you know, he's got five pitches. When do you scrap it? When do you not scrap it? I, I I think, too, is sort of when do you buy in not letting that dude beat you? You being a competitor, you being really good, you having a track record, but you also got to be smart. That guy's pretty good, right? I don't yeah. want to get too frisky here because that dude could change the game and we would lose because I got in my own way. That was what I took of that. And the quicker you can come to that realization – I yeah. think the quicker you will be the best you, and that's what I took from him, is there's a reason why he stayed around as long as he did.
1: Yeah, no, without question. And just the idea that Max Scherzer, as much as he is a competitor, uh, he's also a guy who wants to win, and he wouldn't put himself in a position where it would hurt the team. Great conversation. That's it for us. If you're listening via podcast, please rate and review. And again, we will be back to more from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, enjoy the baseball. Have yourself a great day.